just, just begin to thank him. Not generically, just begin to thank him. I say this all the time here, but there were nine that were cleansed. There was only one that was made whole, and the difference was in the thanksgiving. So just find yourself right there at the feet of Jesus. Just thank him. We praise you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. That you are mindful of us, God, to even come to this earth and walk with us and die for us and be raised and then walk with us again by your spirit that you put deep in our hearts. We thank you, God, for that privilege. That the prayer of Jesus in John 17 was satisfied when he prayed that we would be one as you are one with your Father. That we're no longer one with sin and one with the Adamic nature, but we're one with the Son of the living God by the power of the Holy Spirit. We worship you, we thank you, we rejoice, Father, in the power of the blood that redeemed us. That you never quit on your people. That 1 Corinthians 13, that love never fails. Father, I pray a special anointing and blessing over what you've done tonight. That it would not be stolen by the enemy through lies and trickery and deceit. But it would be sealed by the blood of Jesus. And that it would send forth roots. And begin to grow and bring forth fruit that remains. That brings glory to God. Our Father. We honor you, Father. We thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. You are awesome and you are wonderful. Father, we agree with those who've been prayed over for healing. They're, they're healed. It is sealed. The stripes have been applied. And their bodies will respond. And they will recover. We thank you, God.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Is there any other hearts that need to be anything this morning, this evening before we move on? I mean, I could stay like this all night. For those of you who are interested in this, we do do this once a month. Our first Sunday of the month, we have a worship night, and this is all we do all night long, and, and it's awesome. You're welcome to come to that. But I also want to make sure we capitalize upon the Lord and, and His Word and the, the limited time frame we have with somebody I highly respect. And, and I want the Word to come forth into your heart and to, to just build upon the anointing that God has already given you and the things He's already maybe set straight in your mind and your heart, that there can be a foundation laid upon that. And uh, so if every heart and mind is clear and before the Lord, we're going to we're going to move forward. Thank you so much, y'all, for hearing the Lord and moving the way you do. Give the Lord a hand in them. And give Jesus a hand for touching you tonight. Thank you, Father. He's awesome. What's really cool is you can do that every day in your prayer closet. And... Uh, it doesn't have to be at church, even though when it's at church, it's that much greater because you're with your, your people, your tribe, your family, the people God has called you to make covenant with, and, and that's awesome. So welcome, welcome. Thank you for coming. I hope you're blessed already. If you're a visitor here, we welcome you. We're glad you're here tonight. Um, if you need anything, let us know, but uh, you're, you're, uh, you're going to be blessed tonight if you open your heart and your, your mind to the Word. And God's going to move in your life in a way that uh, hopefully is echoes throughout the rest of your life. That you remember something. There's pillars would be established tonight over you. Amen. Will you guys give a good welcome to Dr. Gladstone, a mentor of mine and a great man of God. Good evening, everyone. It's great to see you. Praise God for another session together. Thank Father God for Jesus Christ. We don't have religion, even good religion. We have reality. We have a relationship with God himself and the power of the Spirit. Thank God. Thank God for these times together where his Spirit is with us, in us, on us, among us. We are absolutely nothing without him. And if we didn't have him, we don't need to be getting together. So praise God for his presence and praise God for your allowance and room that you give for the Holy Spirit to flow and to move. How many of you um, really feel in your heart that during that time of worship and the time of prayer afterward that the Spirit really did a distinct work or spoke a distinct word or moved in a very distinct way in you specifically? Just raise your hand. Let me see. That's awesome. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Just seal those works that you've done, Lord, and let your anointing settle and seal on our hearts. And praise God. Continue the work, Lord. Continue the work. So we're going to continue our little series, part two. We're talking about Rocky River Road. That's the road all Christians should live on. All churches should live on that road. If you weren't here last night, you don't know what I'm talking about, but you will in a moment. I'm going to explain it. I'm going to read here in a few moments from John chapter 7, 
So you can turn there to get ready, and that's where we'll kick things off once I get to our passage. Just a small passage of Scripture. I will read John 7, then verse 37 will begin. The Lord put this theme, this three-part theme on my heart. Rocky River Road. I actually live in Charlotte, North Carolina on Rocky River Road. That's the name of my road. And I use that as a kind of funny metaphor when I was teaching several months ago at our church. And then the other day in prayer, the Lord impressed it on my heart again. And when I came here, I felt like he wanted me to share it with you as well. Rocky River Road. We're all on a road that's called discipleship. We're on a road away following Jesus. This road is a long road, right? We're in this for the long haul. We're following Jesus to be on a road following Jesus, the same way Jesus walked, especially highlighted by the gospel of Luke that Jesus was on a road. He was on a pathway leading to Jerusalem in his ultimate destiny. It wasn't really Jerusalem on the earth was Jerusalem in the heavens, where he's now seated on a throne there at the Father's right hand. And Jesus is coming back, and Jerusalem's coming to earth, the new Jerusalem. Anyway, this is really tomorrow's topic. I'm just starting here on the third word, because we are on a road. It's a long haul. Of, it's, a, it's a road of obedience, a road of discipleship, development, and destiny. But it's not just any road. It's not just a pathway, it's got to be a rocky road, which means it's founded on the rock. The rock is Jesus Christ himself, so he's not only our leader taking us down the right path, but he's our foundation. Paul said in our text last night in 1 Corinthians 3 that no foundation can be laid except the one that is laid, and that is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is our foundation. We build our lives on Jesus. But the way we get Jesus to be our foundation is that we embrace the full gospel of Jesus Christ. We must be gospel people. People of the book. People of the full gospel message. Not just God loves us and Jesus died for you, though that's true, and that is gospel. But the full gospel has eight wonders we talked about last night. And each wonder, each aspect of the gospel implies something about the way we ought to be living and doing discipleship and doing church and living our lives. And the tradition that we prayed God would tear down in our song, traditions have built different structures for discipleship and church than what's written in the Bible. Our modern traditions are different than what's in the actual full kingdom gospel. And so we here in America, with lots of our church traditions, instead of just doing things our own way and then asking God to come in revival, we should do things his way to begin with and then pray for God to come in revival. And we would have that if we, if we laid down that full gospel message as our foundation. So our road we're on can't just be any road. It's got to be founded. It's Rocky River Road. It's founded on the full gospel. And that's what I talked about last night. So I welcome you. I welcome myself as well to go back and listen to that and to keep those things going in our minds over and over. 
So we're on a road and it's rocky, but there is a river on this road. It's a river road, right? We need the full gospel and we need that long haul commitment that we're talking about tomorrow. But this road has to have a river flowing on it. The, the manifest presence of God must be flowing like a river on this road that's founded on the gospel, that's a long-haul commitment of discipleship to Jesus, but it should be marked by the manifest presence of God. There is a river flowing on this road. It is God's manifest presence. It is flowing. It is awesome. It is teeming with life. One of the old choruses used to say, Lately, I've been concentrating on this metaphor of the river a lot lately in the past couple of weeks, but it's been very concentrated, the idea of a river, the Spirit of God. There's a, there's a metaphor in Scripture that symbolizes the way the Spirit operates and works, and that's like a river flowing. That's why we have this passage here. We might as well read it now in John chapter 7. In verse 37, Jesus, on the last day, the great day of the feast, so this is the climax of the Feast of Tabernacles. This is a fall feast, right? We're in the spring. We're celebrating Pesach, Passover right now, and Pentecost is coming, so we can tie it in that way. But in this fall feast of Tabernacles on the great day when they had the, a, a traditional ritual where they would pour out water, as a, as a symbol of God giving water out of the rock in the wilderness. And Nehemiah would remember that in Nehemiah 8 and 9, and the people went through those texts and those stories in the book of Nehemiah, remembering how God, uh, during the, the Feast of Tabernacles, tradition says, gave them water out of the rock. And they associated that with the Spirit in chapter 9 of Nehemiah. So Jesus seems to be reflecting all of that, as well as other passages in the Old Testament. So on this great day of the Feast of Tabernacles, when they're pouring out all this water, Jesus stood and cried out. Now, mind you, by this time, he is a marked man. They're after him. And he seemed to have been for a minute subdued and kind of out of the picture. And now he's crying out in the midst of being a marked man and getting hunted down. He cries out, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. It's such a powerful statement and promise. John goes on to comment as if he's preaching a bit on that text. And he explains that Jesus said this in reference to the Spirit. So the rivers symbolize the Spirit. It says that he said this in reference to the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive because the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus is promising that he's the source of life. He's the source of spiritual thirst being quenched. And if we are to come to him in faith... And to believe in him, he says, means to pledge our lives to him and put our confidence in him, to trust him, to believe in him. 
It means belief. It means having acceptance that who he says is real and is true. And it also means to have confidence in him, to, to give him our lives. But to believe also means to pledge ourselves in a marriage-like relationship. It's not enough to have a positive attitude toward Jesus. It doesn't work. We don't have our, our, we don't have our hearts satisfied unless we pledge our lives to him. Going all in, he's an all or nothing kind of Lord. He says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's a full pledge to, quote, believe in Jesus. But the one who does will be satisfied with the water of life. And then that, 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 that liquid life will have an effect on this person. That not only will it satisfy, because he says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. But then that person will also be a conduit and a channel to offer that life to others. God is the source of the life, but we're all channels. We're all called to be channels of these rivers. And the, the rivers are a reference to the Spirit himself, that after Jesus dies and is raised and ascends, which is what John means by he's glorified, he'll pour out the Spirit, and then we'll have the Spirit with us all the way until Jesus comes back, and we'll have the Spirit with us after that as well. But he is with us right now. The river is here. And it's always flowing. Right now. We experienced some very real tastes. Some drinks. Tonight as we were praying and worshiping together. And I know that this is something that you all do frequently. And that's really good. Because I believe there's a greater manifestation of the river coming. I don't know when, I don't have a, a specific prophetic word to say this, but I have faith to say it. I believe it's true. That there's a greater act of God coming to our nation and to your city as well, to your region, to you. I believe that. And I believe we should get ready for it. You know, there's various levels of manifestation of the Spirit. To me, river speaks of manifestation. God is everywhere, but he manifests himself in concentrated ways toward those who believe and in those who believe and through those who believe. God's presence is everywhere. Come on now. He's omnipresent. Even sinners enjoy the benefits of God's general omnipresence because he, he sustains life for a certain period of time, even for the wicked. He blesses them with rain and sunshine. Jesus said this. It's not just nature. God holds nature together. God allows people that rebel against him and defy him and curse him still to enjoy to some degree life on earth. So God's presence is everywhere. Even those who hate God's presence and hate God don't even realize how much they enjoy God's presence to some minor degree, naturally. But God's children have manifestations of God's presence in their hearts and in their midst. And to me, the river speaks of manifestation. Did you know that there are rivers in the ocean? They have found rivers on the bottom of the ocean flowing. Some of them have riverbanks and trees underwater. 
I know it sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, I saw this on a TED Talk. And, and I Googled it to confirm. So you are talking about a river on the bottom of the ocean scholar right here. I'm totally joking, but I did do a little further research on it. It's just incredible. There's one that they, it's a relatively new discovery, I think the 80s, and they're still stu studying this. But there's a river off the coast of Mexico and California because there's certain streams of water within the ocean that have a higher content of sediment. So it's a more dense water, but it's inside the other water and flows distinctly with its own flow inside the larger ocean. There's another river they found at the bottom of the Black Sea because some of the water from the Mediterranean Sea goes up into that, I guess, through the Aegean Sea and comes into the Black Sea. But the, sea, the, the, the water from the Med is saltier than the water in the Black Sea. So it comes in more dense and remains intact, concentrated and manifest, flowing water manifestly inside a larger body of water. That's the nature of God's presence. God's present everywhere. But sometimes he really shows up, even though he's already present, because he manifests his presence. And this idea of a river flowing amid the omnipresence of God has really been on my mind lately. Sometimes that river flows through a room and you feel it physically, tangibly in the room. Sometimes it's a gentle flowing brook. You got to be real quiet. Sometimes it's just not that obvious to find the way and where the river is flowing, but it's there. It's always flowing, right? The scripture speaks of the gentle flowing waters of Shiloh. God's sometimes just so gentle in his flow that it's, it's not so obvious. And for those who are mature and want to be really tuned in, and what I mean by mature is grow in their maturity and their relationship to the Lord. They don't need all the outward phenomena. They are they are settled to hear that still small voice because sometimes God is not rushing like this gargantuan river that's like 100 yards wide or something and 100 yards deep and just flowing and gushing where everybody can notice what's happening. He's not always flowing that way. The river manifests with different depths and different kind of concentration levels. Sometimes it's very gentle. We need to be like Elijah. Right? There's a great earthquake, but it says Yahweh wasn't in the earthquake. And the rocks were splitting. And it says the Lord wasn't in that. And he wasn't in the fire. What was it? What the rocks were splitting because of the wind. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. He was causing all these things, but he wasn't in them. And then comes this really gentle breeze. And the voice of Yahweh comes to Elijah. Sometimes God doesn't want us depending on all the outward phenomena. Wants us to just be friends with that presence of the Holy Spirit that's flowing like a very gentle river inside of our hearts. And He wants us to know the voice of God in that way. Yeah. So there's different levels, there's different depths, there's different kinds of manifestations, but the river is always flowing. And we need this river flowing on this rocky river road. Yeah. We can't just be academic and understand the gospel. But we should. 
We should be steadfastly committed to the apostles' teaching. And we can't just be committed to the partnership just and have our Bibles under our arms and we're just going to, you know, get a new class. Though I love that, and uh, we should be growing and going through difficult times and becoming more like Jesus through it all. Hammer and chisel, let him make us into the image of his son. But in the middle of it all, there's got to be this manifest presence. Amen. We're not living in a season of revival, then find where and how that river is flowing. Because he is always flowing. He's always present. He's never out. And as we indeed make room for him, oh, we need a battery change? Okay. Sorry about that. That's okay. No one even notices that. <laughs> I don't think they noticed we're even making a battery exchange. God, God, thank you, sir, very much for serving that way. And was the rest being recorded? Was it at least coming through? Just getting weak? See that? Some kind of, I'm sure, prophetic metaphor in that. Sometimes we need our batteries changed. <laughs> The river is always flowing because that was granted us when we believed, according to this text. Always. We're walking by faith in relationship with Jesus. We could be drinking experientially of the life of God all the time, just like Pastor Chad said. This could be our prayer time every day. And we could be sources of issuing these rivers of life to others around us. All the time as we're available as we believe and as we obey. And yet, I do believe there are times coming, seasons coming, where the manifestation will be great and broad and deep, and we should get ready for that. But whatever the case, we should be people marked by the manifest presence of God. When Paul planted churches in the Jesus tradition, so to speak, with his gospel, with his lordship, Paul took the the gospel and the lordship of Jesus. When he planted churches, he prayed for people that they'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit and that there'd be this gushing forth of speaking in other tongues in prophecy. And then Paul would teach his churches how to flow in the Holy Spirit. He would teach them how to prophesy and to prophesy and to get together and pray and do all they did in the Holy Spirit. This must be our own commitment and our own way. I've been thinking a lot about this river lately. This river is flowing. The manifest presence of God is always ours. And I try to concentrate on that. The Spirit of God lives inside of the heart of every single believer. The Spirit is not earned. He is granted when we pledge our lives to Jesus. And the Spirit is especially in the midst of the gathered community. Something not always cherished in our larger charismatic culture. We like the big meetings and the big events. We love them. We want the specially gifted people leading us and conducting us in every way. And there's times for that. But when Paul planted churches, he taught just normal people like me and you how to get together and locate the flow of that river and prophesy and exercise gifts of healings and, and discernments of spirits and tongues with interpretation if it's going to be a public manifestation. He taught his churches how to live inside of that river. I've been thinking a lot about this river. 
And then there's times that God just shows up in a church building or in some other building and in a city and in a region, and the presence of God is just there, broad and deep. And people without any faith at all get affected by it, and the community gets affected. I've been in environments like this. I, I was a part of a church in Wisconsin where there was a, a refreshing, manifest presence. It didn't have the same kind of breadth as a classic revival that, where there's a massive harvest and community is affected. But man, there was a manifest presence inside that building every time we gathered. It was extraordinary. It was, the church turned completely upside down through manifest presence. One day it was one way and the next day it was another way. In fact, I was, it's, we had visited the Brownsville Revival. The leaders of this church visited the Brownsville Revival. We came back home to Wisconsin, and the first service that we were having in the big church, you know how you got youth and then you got big church? I was the youth pastor, so I had a regular service, and it was the best youth service I had ever had in my life, because I came back refreshed by the manifest presence of God, and I had some kind of new impartation, and I mean, my wife and I just... <laughs> Come on! Shoot. Someone just popped a ping pong ball in here, and I'm not sure I'm clever enough to figure out the prophetic meaning of that, so I'm going to try not to get distracted. In my mind's eye, I see my wife. Center, Bob. Center. Don't go off. Last time I preached, she did that. She's like, just... <laughs> but I mean, Gina prophesied fire. I preached repentance and Man, these kids, I mean, I never saw anything like that in my youth group, just repentance and weeping and praying. And the parents are coming in the back like, why isn't the youth service over yet? Well, we had revival. We had this manifestation because I had a youth service, but the big church was having a special event that was already planned. They had a singing group, so the pastors did not yet get an opportunity to share what had happened and talk about it. It was just a singing group. And so they're coming into this youth room. It's like, what's going on? What are these kids all over the floor for? <laughs> well, right after that, I go on a mission trip that was already planned. I took a couple of our students. We went to Russia. Well, while I was gone, Big Church had services. And the leaders are talking about what happened at Brownsville. And God slayed that whole congregation. I mean, people start manifesting under the power of God, thinking they need to call an ambulance, had no idea what was happening. This woman in the back was completely paralyzed. Why can't I move? This is such an awesome testimony. How come I can't enjoy it? She started to realize this is the weight of God's presence on me right now. She had no grid for it whatsoever. Usually by the time the second service people came, you know, we had two services. By the time second service came into the parking lot, it's not just that the, the, the building was empty. The parking lot was empty from first service. Everyone was completely gone from first service. By the time second service people came, it was like no one was ever there, usually. But that day, the day God showed up, not only was the parking lot full when the second service people came, but they come in and there's bodies all over the floor. <laughs> people just slain in the spirit or on their faces repenting and interceding and they're stepping over bodies and there's like cloths. They had never seen anything like that. It's just what, what in, I mean, first time, what is going on here? 
When I got back from Russia, they were already full on in the river. They were a completely and totally brand new different church. People are screaming in intercession in the side room as I'm walking in. I'm like, what's going on in there? The intercessors are praying. I'm like, I didn't know we had intercessors. And I crack open the door and they're all acting out prophetic parables to pray for things for the service in the city. I'm like, I don't recognize these people. I go in there, we're going to do a sound check. Don't tell anybody this, but I actually let in worship sometimes, not for talent. The pastor made me do it. But we're going to start, and the people are already gathered. You know, it's like, you know, half the crowd is already there for the practice, saying, just play, just play, we want to worship. It was unbelievable. It's like, who are these people? Their faces were glowing. They were like children. And then when the music starts, they're just running and dancing and it was like this for months and months and months kids would go to youth camp when got you know they finally had their cool services and their you know their special speakers and they had a chance to let their hair down and just be themselves in god and they're calling home saying i want to come back to our church god's moving we want to come back from camp i mean that's a big deal that they didn't want to be at camp. They wanted to come home and be in our church. And all we did, that really cool youth service I had, last youth service I ever had. We just had services in the, in the, together, just worship, prayer, exhortations, prophecy, preaching, just God from beginning to end, every service, all the youth, everybody together, no one was separate until the Lord finally actually called my family to Brownsville. That was the mode. I was no longer just the youth pastor. We were just all going after God together. We saw extraordinary things, manifestations. I mean, the feeling of weight in the, in the, in the sanctuary. I mean, seeing things with our eyes, especially people who had gifts of discernments. It was extraordinary things that were happening there and things people were seeing. I remember this, um, this one lady was just always so troubled. She would always come to me and the other pastors for counseling, and she would come in for encouragement, and she was always down, and there were always problems, and she could never get out of it. And I began to wonder, and this was a solid lady, it seemed, in her faith, but she was always really down and defeated. And it didn't seem like anything helped. And I started to wonder if we just needed to lead her to the Lord. I don't know, but she was a Christian. But I, th I thought maybe we just need to kind of start over. I don't know. Well, then God shows up in these services, and she's watching all of this happening. And she's starting to wonder, should I somehow engage this? I mean, will this help me? Because she, this is what was happening. This wasn't our church. We were fairly tame. Now people are dancing and running around and they're falling down when they get prayer. And there's laughter and there's just freedom and expression. And it was pretty controversial. I mean, it was, it was wonderful manifest presence and we never had the level of spiritual warfare till that happened that we had during that time. It was really hard in some ways, but it was awesome in every other way and worth it. So this gal is watching all this going on she doesn't know, so she's lingering and lingering. Finally, people are leaving, and, and she's standing by the altar, and there's this one lady on the ground praying, this lady that was on, on her face prostrate, crying out to God. Her name was Joey. I'm sure it was short for Josephine, but we called her Joey. And she's just crying out to God. And then this, this other dear lady, Kathy, is standing behind her, 
trying to pray. She has her hands up. And she's watching Joey, and she said, you know, Lord, that's just not me. That's not my style. That's good for Joey, but it's not really my style. And she felt two hands on her back, pushed her down on her face. And she looked around, empty sanctuary. No one was there except for Kathy and Joey. And she put her face back into the carpet and did business with God. And I'm telling you, she got up from that floor a completely and totally transformed, radically different human being. She was aglow from that moment, I hope till this, last time I checked in a few years ago, and this is decades ago, last time I checked in a few years ago asking a friend of a friend, she was still on fire. I mean, this woman was completely turned around. She was always at every prayer meeting. She was always rejoicing. There wasn't a shred of defeat in her life. She was full of power. She was our main intercessory warrior. She stood by us in our, in our, our, our spiritual warfare. I mean, without this gal, we would not have made it. We were always the one trying to drag her along in the faith. Now she's like leading the way in prayer. Come on, pastors, we can do this. And she's fighting this and fighting that. And she'd come into the sanctuary in the middle of the night and just pray through all these warfare issues. I remember her standing up and giving a whole congregation an exhortation from Ephesians chapter one. Did you know you're chosen? Did you know you're blessed? And I'm watching this. I remember a man was, came up for prayer. He was completely flushed of any color. He was riddled with leukemia. He felt terrible this particular night. He's like, I've never felt this bad since I've been diagnosed with this disease. <clears throat> I've never felt this bad. And I'm like, John, we're going to pray for you tonight. We'll get some people to pray for you during prayer time. And um, so <laughs> prayer time comes. We get John just, he looked terrible. He was pale, 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 and weak. So we got some people around him, and there was a little group around him. I was kind of coming up to join them like this, going to lay hands on him. And this is just the way it happened, okay? But as I'm coming up to them, I see a ball about this size come out of my peripheral vision like this. It was just kind of a colored ball. Maybe it was that color, I don't remember, but it was distinct. And it was right about this size without the stand, coming out of my peripheral vision. And then I see it and it hits John. When it does, it disappears and he goes boom on the ground. And I'm like, I saw that. <laughs> I mean, ain't no one gonna believe me and I'm telling you this in the fear of the Lord. I'm aware of his presence right now. I'm not making this up. Well, maybe it was a floater in your eye. No. Maybe it was, but whenever that floater in my eye hit John, he went down hard. It was a floating cannonball. Boom! Out he goes. Unconscious. Done. We had to leave. He's still unconscious. Someone had to wait for him to lock the door. I don't even know how long he was down there. All I know is by the time he came back to church, he had been to the doctor. No, wait, 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 I take that back. 
he did come to church before the doctor. He came to church before the doctor and he came up to me and he was full of color, vibrant. He said, I haven't felt this good in years. I'm going to the doctor. That's right. That's the way it was. Forgive me. So I'm going to the doctor soon. I'm going to the doctor with my normal checkup. I'm going to have him check me. I feel great. Since I got up from the floor, I feel great. Come on, you know the rest of the story. He went to the doctor. He was smelling flowers in the car as he's driving there. He's smelling flowers in the doctor's office. The doctor takes his, his blood, whatever they do, and he comes back and says, I guess it's remission. He was healed. You should have seen that place come unglued. John with leukemia. People are jumping up and down. It was awesome. I mean, we, not everybody we prayed for during this time got healed. Not everybody was touched, but I mean, it was awesome. And just in this little church, manifest presence, river flowing, deliverance, restoration. I'm, I'm thinking of things even in my mind. The catalog is rolling. I can't tell you every story that's coming to my mind, but it was awesome. It changed my life. I was full-time staff. I used to come into the sanctuary during lunch or whatever, or just during a time to pray and turn on some music, and I would just sit in the back and say, Lord, I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe you just showed up and you're here. Thank you. This is wonderful. Thank you. I can't believe you're doing this. It's like a dream come true. It's a dream I didn't even know I had. It was awesome. I've been thinking a lot about the river. The river flows. There were some songs we used to sing that were standard. In fact, it was that first song I led when I came back from Russia. It was an old 90s revival song. Down the mountain, the river flows, and it brings refreshing wherever it goes. I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to, what do you call that? Spoken word? I'm not even doing that, really, but just quoting the lyrics. But we used to sing that, and it, has a, it, it almost has more meaning for me now than it, than it did then. Down the mountain, the river flows, and it brings refreshing wherever it goes. Through the valley and over the fields, the river is rushing, and the river's here. It's awesome, man. There was another standum, a standum, standard song, let the river flow. Let the poor man say, I am rich in him. Let the lost man say, I am found in him. Let the river flow. Let the river flow. Man, that's what I'm praying for. It's like, Lord, I ain't got nothing for these people in my fat, skinny little body. Whatever it is, it's both. I mean, I got nothing. At my best, I'm too weak to do anything. Lord, let the river flow. Lord, just do what only you can do. Let the river flow. There was another song we used to sing. It's not quite river, but it's really on my mind. It was another 90s worship song, <clears throat> which is not my point. If we sing more 90s songs, God's going to move. I'm not saying that. I'm just on my mind. But this song was uh, uh, written in the UK. It was, it was written in the first person, like God himself was saying it. There were three verses. So it's, it's, we're singing it, but we're quoting God as if he's prophesying this himself. And the second verse says, um, Be still and know that I am God. I have poured out my spirit like a flood. The land that cries for holy rain shall be inheriting her promises and dancing like a child. A holy monsoon deluge shall bless the barren heights. And those who sat in silence shall speak up and shall be heard. And my name will be exalted in the earth. Brothers and sisters and friends, 
the river is here and the river is flowing. We don't have to wait for it. It's here, manifest in our hearts and in our midst. But at the same time, the river is coming. And it's going to flow with great width and depth and life. God is a God of manifestation. He's a God of intimacy. He is transcendent. He is sovereign on high. He dwells in unapproachable light. He is in a category all by himself from everlasting to everlasting. No one is like him. And in his essence, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's nothing else with him. Everything else is creation. He is creator from eternity to eternity. Utterly, absolutely transcendent sovereign. And yet, he is a God of intimacy, a God of friendship, a God of patience who loves people who are broken and hurting. And he just wants to be with people. He loves it. He would take on human form even before he became human. He would take on human form and have interaction with his people. There were references to the angel of the Lord or just Yahweh coming with those two angels and having fellowship with Abraham. And of course, they built the tabernacle. Come on, there's rivers flowing at the bottom of the ocean. Even amid God's manifestation, he, excuse me, in the, midst, in the middle of his omnipresence, he would manifest himself in his tabernacle. The glory would fill it. And then when they built the temple, the glory filled it and the priests couldn't be in there. Because it was God's house and God was taking up residence, manifesting himself. He's a God that just loves to be among his people. He was in camp with them. That's why there is this Feast of Tabernacles. Because they lived in tents in the desert. God lived in a tent with them. His tent was in the middle of the camp, wherever they went. God was with them. One of Jesus' names is Emmanuel. With us, God God with us. The transcendent, holy, unapproachable one is the most friendly, approachable one. There is. And he loves human interaction. How long was Yeshua running around Nazareth, growing up in his teens, in his 20s, before he's revealed as the Messiah, just being a young man among his people? No one knew he was God. There's Shaul, there's Shlomi, there's Yahweh, there's Benjamin. Yahweh, what are you doing in class today? No, they didn't know that Yahweh was sitting in synagogue with them when little Yeshua came to learn and listen to the teaching of the local rabbi in synagogue that day. But there he was just quietly interacting with people growing up in a neighborhood. Now, if people thought back, they'd probably realize, you know, that, that kid never cussed. <laughs> he did obey. He was a nice, very noble-minded, kind of, you know, a good guy. <laughs> but they probably didn't detect, well, it's because he's Yahweh. He's God in the flesh. They didn't. But God was happy to be there incognito, just interacting with the neighborhood children and the people of his city. Extraordinary. God wants to manifest himself among people and interact with us. This isn't theory. God is the with us God. 
He's the incarnate God. And so personal is the incarnate one, Jesus, that after he died and rose and ascended on high, he sent forth his spirit that he would be with us and in us. Manifest Rocky River Road. The river is rushing and the river is here. In the new covenant, we have a little thing called the baptism in the Holy Spirit where we are immersed in the Holy Spirit. It's not just a theological theory. It's an immersion. We are dunked in the river, and it is a river. Come on, where does baptism in the Holy Spirit come from? It comes from John the baptizer. That's where that metaphor comes from, baptism. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but there's one coming after me who's greater than me because he existed before me. I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. So John's preaching. I baptize in water. He baptizes in the Spirit. What water did John baptize people in? The Jordan River. So even that metaphor of baptism, that is in a river, man. John said, I baptize you. He didn't use the word river, but that's what he was doing. I'm baptizing you in the Jordan, the natural water of the Jordan. The one coming after me will baptize you in the river of the Holy Spirit. You are baptized in the river if you're a believer in Jesus. And part of that baptism is an empowerment, an extraordinary deep experience. When John baptized people in water, they were confessing their sins because they were renewing covenant with Yahweh. So they would be baptized in water for repentance and their their sins would be on their lips. When Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, other tongues come on our lips. It's a new baptism. It's life. It's divine electricity. It's deep. It's extraordinary. It it, it drives us to places of prayer where our natural minds aren't, aren't broad enough to pray what he puts on us. So we must shubaha brakatan. We must speak in other languages as the Spirit gives us utterances. We are baptized in the river, and we speak that river language in our prayer to God as the overflow just moves our hearts. Praise God. Brothers, sisters, friends, let's let the river flow. The river's rushing and the river's here. Have you ever been in prayer and it's like, man, I just can't find my connection with God right now. It's difficult. I feel carnal. I'm distracted. Sometimes that brook is super gentle and we got to do all Psalm 131 and just compose our souls, compose our souls. Sometimes it takes me a while when this is the mode. Compose my soul and get quiet and then I hear, so to speak, that river gently flowing And I sense his presence and that word comes to me that I needed. Sometimes it's very subtle. It's not some clear, big demonstration. Man, we we have, the river's flowing. Find the river that's here. And sometimes it flows more powerfully. Either way, we must be marked by the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We must be marked by manifest presence. Don't take my word for it. Read your Bibles and keep diving in that river. God manifests his presence 
God's manifest presence. Now I'm reading something from my notes, but I, I want to. It's, I think it's worth repeating. In his omnipresence, he concentrates his presence like rivers in the ocean. And Jesus' followers are called to get in that river, be baptized in that river, remain in that river, and allow that river to flow through us. Always! And while that's happening, pray, Lord, send more. Send a greater river and get us ready for that greater river. I was praying for that today with faith. And then I, at one point I felt like, yeah, you'll, you'll get what I'm sending today. You're not ready for what I'm going to do. I'm like, okay, you're the one that brings the river. I'm just going to flow in what I got and what we have, but I want to grow and go deeper. The river, this manifest presence is inside of every true believer. So if you're not a believer in Jesus tonight, I exhort you, I encourage you, Pledge your life to Jesus and let the river flow. In Acts chapter 2, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Come on, that's manifestation. In Acts, later on in Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, Peter's quoting Joel. And in the last days, God says, I will pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Bond slaves, men and women. In those days I'll pour, pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. This is why Paul taught church where everybody brings something. He's like, well, we got the Lord's Supper and we got Joel chapter 2. So it's not just for one priest to conduct everything. There's times for teaching or whatever. But people have to learn to let the river flow. Well, we're getting to that in a minute, briefly. Acts 2.33, after Jesus was exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth what you both see and hear. Right? That, that song I quoted a little bit earlier. <clears throat> I, be still and know that I am God. I have poured out my spirit like a flood. I rejoice to receive that promise. The spirit has been poured out in our world. The Holy Spirit is flowing like a river. But still the land that cries for holy rain will be inheriting her promises and dancing like a child. Romans 5.5, hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Pause a moment and, and just concentrate on this. If you're a believer in Jesus, God has granted you the Holy Spirit and he's given in your heart. Find that river. It's not, it's not hard to find. If, he's, if, if the Spirit of Christ is in you, the river is there. We, we must become people of prayer and keep an, keeping our eyes in the, on, on the Lord who is at our right hand and we will never be shaken. And as we make room for that flow of the Holy Spirit, we will experience and be able to give more and more of that divine life. Romans 8 and 9, however, you're not in the flesh. You believers are in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, 
But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Do we have the Spirit of Christ, believers in Jesus? We do. If we don't, we don't belong to him. We must be marked by manifest presence. Because he manifests himself in every believer. Romans 8.15, you've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received. You know how old preachers do that? Everybody say with me. Let's do that. Say received. Received. Imagine receiving the spirit when you say it this time. Received. You have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. His spirit is in us mingled with our spirit. I had that testimony from the moment I was saved. I had the witness of the Holy Spirit inside of me. My mind was full of doubts. I was virtually tormented every night I'd come home from work as a teenager. Challenging God, why did you choose me? I can't even believe in you, and yet I can't get away from believing you. I don't even know if you exist, and yet I'm a follower of Jesus. This is confusion! But if someone would have asked me, but do you know in your heart that you're saved? I'd say, yes, I have that witness even though my mind is raging against it, and so was the devil, but I didn't know about spiritual warfare back then. So I'm just living under it, but I had that witness, like a rope with an anchor behind the veil. I had a witness that I was a child of God. It's called assurance. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's called the river of God manifest inside our chest cavity. The present God, the incarnate God, the manifest God lives inside our bodies. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, don't you know that your body, speaking to individuals, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you're not your own. See the way that works? We pledge our lives to Jesus we give ourselves to him, and he gives us the Holy Spirit to dwell inside our bodies. Now, I don't know how the one Holy Spirit can dwell inside you, and also you, and also you, and me, and you, and you, and you. I don't understand that, but, you know, I don't understand how there could be rivers in the bottom of the ocean either. But there are. I guess I can because of the sediments and the salt, but still. Who knew? Rivers with river banks and trees that God can be everywhere, but really be inside his temple, manifest. Lord, we pray for further manifestation of your presence in our hearts and in our lives and in our midst. And here's why, Abba, because we just love you. We love you and we want you. And we ask for more. And we're thankful for what we have Help us to cultivate, like Jesus said. He who believes in me, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Amen. Lord, we want it all. Toward us, in us, and through us, Lord, let the river flow. Galatians 4, 6, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 
The Holy Spirit is inside of our hearts. There's times that's an intimidating thought to me. It's like God is living inside me. No wonder Paul says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. (laughs) No wonder Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, live in the fear of the Lord. God Almighty lives inside of believers. If we could only capture this, this concept, we would be different people. Manifest presence granted us, no matter what's going on in the atmosphere, the river is flowing on the inside. Praise God. So God manifests his presence inside individuals. He manifests himself among a gathered community. When the church community comes together, physically it forms a temple, it forms a body. And the concentration of God's presence increases. Do you like that? Dramatic effect, separating the syllables. I'm glad you did. I just thought of it in the moment. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul uses the temple metaphor now for the whole church. When I quoted chapter 6, he was talking about individual bodies. Each human body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why we don't give ourselves to immorality. That's the context there. In 1 Corinthians 3, verses 16 and 17... He says, don't you, plural, know that you are a temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. In Southern English, that's y'all because it's plural. You can't tell the difference in the the other kind of English, but you can in Southern English and you can in Greek. It's y'all there. He's speaking to the corporate entity, the church. When they all met in Gaius's house, all the people gather around. After they'd serve the food, they'd pray and prophesy. After they ate and served the food. Because you shouldn't prophesy with your mouth full. Come on. That's what my mom meant. But with all these other odd doctrines coming in and odd ideas, Paul says this body is the temple. The Holy Spirit dwells inside the people when they come together. Don't destroy the temple or God will destroy you. And I won't read this whole passage, but I'll refer to it. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 14. We together have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's why there's nine gifts. It's a complete presentation of the Holy Spirit. And actually there's other gifts, but Paul mentions nine there that are important for the Corinthians and for us to have in that list. That's the complete expression of the Holy Spirit in the complete body because he's present especially when we gather in a way that he's not present when we're just by ourselves. I mean, he could do extraordinary things, but he wants a church. He he wants to do extraordinary things, even through individuals. I mean, we we can all testify to amazing encounters we'd we'd have in prayer, but he's really after a corporate body that flows in the river with these nine gifts. Let the river flow. How do we let the river flow? Let's hear those words of wisdom and words of knowledge. I'd like to do a seminar on the gifts sometime. Let's prophesy especially. If someone has a tongue, then pray for an interpretation, and let's hear them both. Let's exercise discernments of spirits over these prophecies. Let's let the river flow. Let's identify that river coming out of us and say, Lord, what do you have from me for the body today? And sometimes it takes time to develop that and get good at it. We were talking about it on the way here. Some people that, and sometimes we get it wrong. Other times you get it right. I could tell you some funny stories 
from some home church situations where people are brand new believers and they're trying to manifest the Spirit. Some interesting stories come out of that, but people get better and better at identifying that river flow inside of them, and then they bring something forth that edifies the body. I've had times that I've been in house church meetings when the saints speak something forth. When I go to these house church meetings, unless I'm training new believers or new church members, I'm not leading or teaching. I'm just one of the members. And I've had times where I was, com I I was completely quiet, and the people prophesied had no idea they were saving my life. Because the, the Spirit of God was speaking corporately through the people and edified me they didn't even know it. I may have said something later. I remember one gal, I don't know, this, this feels so weird to me, but I'm just going to say, and she just quoted my prayers. And it sounded weird because she didn't have the context, but she had the courage to speak it forth. And it's touching me, saving my life, so to speak, from whatever discouragement or attack it was. Because the corporate body was putting together the different gifts for one river flowing. Sometimes we're not just all knocked out unconscious. Sometimes we have to be responsible and let the river flow out of our mouths. God manifests himself in the body. In Ephesians 5, 18, I'll just read you this. Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, which results in unbridled living, but be filled with the Spirit. And he means it corporately. Listen to this. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He's talking about house meetings. Let the river flow. Now remember, we're not going to be flakes because we're founded on the rock. We're gospel people. We're, we mean business. We want the word of the Lord. And when I say word of the Lord, I mean scripture. That's the word of the Lord. But founded on that, let the river flow. It's Rocky River Road. Come on now. Not one or the other, it's both. Now a river without the rocks? craziness, circus. We don't even know what spirit speaking. That might be an extreme way of saying it, but it's true. It happens. We've had, we've had prophetic utterances over our nation in recent history that were completely wrong by well-known prophets, some of whom repented, thankfully. Just getting out there it's like, do we test these things? Are we founded on the rock? Remember Acts 16, that little, uh, little gal, the um, psychic, what was she, the python spirit? What is the fortune teller? These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way of salvation. These men are servants of the Most High God telling you the way of salvation. You know what? That, that prophecy, now that prophecy was accurate and demonic. Sometimes the prophecy is accurate, but it's the wrong spirit. So a wrong spirit will say a right prophecy to get you over on its side because spirits blow in certain directions. The Holy Spirit always blows us toward Lord Jesus. Other spirits will say the right thing, faking to be like the Holy Spirit, and then blow us into selfishness and pagan gods. We need to be gospel people on Rocky River Road to discern the difference between the true and the false. But on that rock, let the river flow. Come on, I'm speaking to you in a hymn. It's really a chorus, but it fits under the category of hymn because it's a composed song. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. 
We should be speaking to one another. It should be just this, the, the river should be flowing in the corporate. And of course, we've already talked about seasons of refreshing when God comes into space. I mean, into our space, right? Like on Pentecost, the loud, the, the loud wind sound filled the room where they were sitting. That's cool. God came, manifested himself in the space they were in. Now, that's not as important as coming into their chest cavities when he renews them and makes them new creations. That's the goal, but still, that's cool. <laughs> that he came in audibly, clearly in the space of the room and then put himself as fire on each one. And then they were filled with the Spirit and they became the Pentecostal harvest, speaking forth the great things of God in other languages. What do we do to live in this river, to, to live on its, on its banks and inside of it? Some of the things I've already shared, I've, I've, I've implied it with what I was saying, but I just want to give you this list, and then, then we'll pray and see what happens. I mean, we already had such a wonderful prayer time. We'll just see how things go. Flow. <laughs> Let's develop and deepen actual friendship with God. So that there's harmony between our hearts. Prayer life is not just some routine. Prayer is friendship with God. It's seeking his heart. We don't just want to perform miracles. We want to know God. We want his spirit to, 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 to be flowing through us. Because we've been spending time with him. Developing friendship. The God who loves friendship, who loves manifestation, will manifest him, himself more as, to, to us as we manifest ourselves more to him. And it's not because he's re, just, well, it is a reward, it's, but he's not paying us back for good works. It's just the, the nature of things. Sometimes the river's flowing in a direction, we just don't even know it because we've been ignoring the river. But friendship gets us in sync with the river. And you know, the second thing closely related to that is we should be developing our character on the road of discipleship, which is really my topic tomorrow. But I put this here for this reason because so many people develop the gifts of the Spirit through their radical faith without the character to go with it. So I'm going to mention the character first. The more we're like Jesus, the more the Spirit is attracted to us. Now remember, the river is always flowing. It's always in our hearts. But for, to have that tangible presence that just rests on our bodies, that takes time to cultivate. I've only met a handful of people, maybe only a couple, that have just walked with God for decades. And when you're just with them and they speak, you sense the presence of God on them. When that dove came to rest on Jesus in those baptismal waters, that's such a wonderful illustration of meekness and submission to God that attracts that beautiful, perfectly innocent, holy, shy dove. It just is not easy to get a dove to rest on your shoulder in the middle of nature. You ever try that? <laughs> they... Sometimes park pigeons will come near you. But a white dove is probably more rare. 
There was something about the character of the sun in the waters of that Jordan where the, the dove just said, like the dove from Noah, Noah's day, I, found, I finally found someone upon whom I can rest. As we develop our character in the long haul, as we listen to rebuke and correction and make those difficult turns during difficult times, we become more like Jesus and the Spirit is then happy not to just work by faith as we manifest gifts, because anybody can do that. But He's also happy to rest upon us in tangible presence as He gets more comfortable with us. I want to be like that. I want that shy dove, so innocent and pure, to be attracted to my life. But of course, we develop faith. Sometimes you just got to believe. I see what God's going to do tonight. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Amen. You declare it by faith. The Spirit of God works through faith. I'm not going to diminish the importance of faith, but people can have radical faith without character. But you're listening to me. We're getting it all in order. Faith. Faith moves mountains. Faith releases the power of the Spirit. There's times I'm praying for some, something and I, I, I'm like praying in doubt. You ever prayed in doubt? And then I'm like, wait a minute, hold on, take a deep breath. Remember what the word says. Consider this to be something God can and will do. And it changes my heart. Sometimes it's a little fight to get there, but it's like, yes, I, I can see this. I believe God is real. He will hear this prayer. He will answer. Sometimes we just need an attitude adjustment, a positive, confident trust in God. And the Spirit, yes, He manifests through faith. Develop those gifts. Some of you have power. Well, we all have powerful gifts, but some of you can flow in them without hardly exercising extraordinary faith because the gift is so powerful in you. But we all have gifts of the Spirit. Identify and develop those gifts. That's part of letting the river flow. Some of you have powerful hospitality, powerful liberal giving. Some of you have powerful prophecies. Stay founded on the rock. Be subject to the community of faith and give what you have. Develop those gifts in character and precision. And finally, let's pray for that holy monsoon deluge to bless the barren heights. Let's pray in the, in the season of rain, for God to send the rain. Zechariah 10, I think, or 12. During the time of the rain, pray for rain. Pray. It's not just the season. We got to interact with God. Lord, send more. Let that river flow. Just in my mind's eye, I saw spring coming up to create a deeper, broader river right in the middle of our room here. I think that's symbolic, but still. Let things gush up, right? God flooded the earth in Genesis 7. The waters from above, but he also broke up from beneath. The waters came up. That's how we flood our city. We let the river flow out of us from below, but we also pray that God would send more from above. And during the time he's not sending as much from above, we have the river flowing in us. But let's keep praying for God to do more. We need revival. But we, we can't just have revival without the rocky and without the road. We can't have revival without at least being ready to build God's house God's way. So he'll not just visit, but he'll live among us. Right? But with those things said, let's pray for more. 
Let's pray for outpouring. Let's pray for God to visit our city. There's a prophetic lady in our city who's, who, who's, who's called my wife and me a couple of times fairly recently, urgently. God is coming. God is coming. And she's a smart lady. She has her theology. She's, a, she's an intelligent person. She knows the word. She knows God already came. And she knows God's already in us. But there's a greater manifestation she's talking about. There's a visitation she's talking about. And she was very urgent. God is coming. He's coming. It wasn't all good, but a lot of it was. God is coming. Let's pray for that. Lord, come, consume us, overwhelm us. Pour down from on high like Niagara Falls, Lord. Gigantic curtains, liquid curtains pouring from above on your people, God. And Lord, help us down here in our vessels of flesh that the rivers would issue out of us in our city, God. Let the river flow. Rocky River Road, man. Praise God. Let's all stand together. Let's just pray a little bit. If you need the empowerment of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and you want prayer for that, why don't you come forward as we're just going to begin to intercede more spontaneously, free-flowing. Free but if you want prayer for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, for that great immersion and, and empowerment with the evidence of speaking with other tongues and the ability to just, to just pray by grace with other languages, that's something you've never experienced or you haven't in a very long time then just come forward and let us pray for you. We'll get the prayer team back up here in a moment, those authorized to do so. Good for you, bro. Let's, let's begin to lift our voices and ask God to pour out his spirit on our own family and friends in our sphere of influence. Let's pray that right now. And we'll broaden the circle as we go. Good for you guys. Just begin to call out to God. God's, God's moving in your guys' heart. I can see it. There's something deep that's too deep for words. Be filled with the Spirit right now in Jesus' name. And don't hold back. There's something happening that's too deep for words in this generation. That the powers of darkness have tried to snuff out. But the Holy Spirit's going to rise up in glory and ease. Don't hold back. Do not hold back. Reach out to God with your heart and with your words. Earlier in worship, I saw the power of witchcraft in this region being destroyed. Like that... The, 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 the psychic girl I alluded to. Jesus' people are rising full of the Spirit. Begin to cry out, young people. Look at this. Is, this is a move among the young people right here. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moved you guys up. Yes, Lord. Just, just concentrate on Him. Let's, let's let the Lord deal with them for a bit. Could, could we get some folks up here if there's any more to pray for both the young people on the right and the folks in the middle on the left as well?